There's a sure sign there in the first word, finally, that we've uh, reached the end of of Ephesians. I don't know if it felt like a long journey to you, but uh, I imagine Paul's hand might have been cramping up by the time he got to uh, this uh, final part of the letter. Uh, But it's been a great journey for us, uh, I think, certainly for me. Uh, As I mentioned in uh, my email this week, it's seven years since I preached on Ephesians and uh, Uh, It's amazing how God uh, just points out new things every time uh, you look back into a familiar part of His Word. Um, But today, uh, yes, we come to this uh, uh, challenging uh, part of the letter and, um, yeah, something that brings to our attention uh, things that perhaps we don't think about enough. And uh, so it's a great reminder for us. Let's pray that we would listen well. Heavenly Father, um, there are many things, including yourself, uh, which we don't see, which we have to uh, take by faith. That is, we have to listen well to you in your word and believe what you say about what is true and what is real. Uh, Father, we ask that you would help us to do that this morning and that uh, as we do, you would strengthen us in Christ Jesus and our faith in him. We pray in his name. Amen. When you think about it, I guess most dangers are hidden dangers, aren't they? There's not much point in a danger sort of standing up in front of everybody and saying, here I am. Rather, they uh, remain hidden to us most of the time. And so the best way to deal with any danger is to discover it, to become aware of it in the first place, and then you'll know to stay clear, right? Now, this is why we have so many road signs, isn't it? Uh, Our councils and governments uh, know that we need to be made aware of dangers or potential dangers on the road, and so they post signs to let us know. Signs like these familiar signs, which I'm sure you're aware of. Wrong way, go back. Now, this one looks like it's out in the, in the outback somewhere, but we see this one most uh, often on a freeway, don't we? On the, on the freeway uh, off-ramp, just in case you were thinking of going on the off-ramp, don't do it, big red sign, wrong way, go back. That would be a big mistake. Uh, what about the next one? Uh, sometimes dangers can come out of nowhere, can't they? Now, if this was a koala... Uh, you wouldn't be so scared and the sign would be more about protecting the koala, but this sign is actually about protecting you, isn't it? A kangaroo can do quite a lot of danger. Uh, And it can, as I said, come out of nowhere, and uh, particularly at certain times of the day, uh, this is a helpful sign, reminds us to be alert of the potential danger that could spring in front of us. And uh, my favourite, really, is this one, um, mainly because I just love the impossible skid marks uh, that, that come with it, the uh, slippery when wet. This is, a, this is a good reminder to us that even familiar places, even familiar roads, things we know well, can become dangerous under certain conditions. Well, in today's passage, uh, we come to the end of Ephesians, and here Paul doesn't want to leave the Ephesians in the dark. Here he gives them a warning, and we get a warning too, about some very real hidden dangers and also what we can do to avoid them. So let's, uh, let's start reading together 
and uh, see what these are. Let's read the first few verses together, 10 to 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can uh, take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. As Paul comes to the end of his letter, he reminds the Ephesians of some very real spiritual realities, very real. Now, I imagine that on the whole, the Ephesians were probably a lot like us. Most days, they were just getting up, uh, putting their clothes on and getting on with the day. I imagine that they were busy buying and selling, eating and drinking, sleeping and working, spending time with their friends and family, just getting on with the ordinary stuff of life and not giving much thought to the things that they can't see, spiritual realities. And perhaps especially not giving much thought to this kind, the less friendly kind, should we say. Now, we're like that, aren't we? So absorbed in the world that we can see that we give little thought to hidden things. It's a case of out of sight, out of mind. Or maybe some of us have become so arrogant that we've dismissed such things altogether as if just because we can't see them, they don't exist. Now, you may be familiar with uh, the little book by C.S. Lewis, The Screwtape Letters. That's a fantastic book for making ourselves aware of these realities. And in the introduction to that little book, uh, Lewis highlighted two great dangers when it comes to how people tend to think about evil spiritual powers. Here's what he says. There are two equal and opposite errors into which we can fall. So equal in the sense of they're just as bad, but they're opposite to each other. Here they are. One is to disbelieve in the existence of evil spiritual powers. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves, that is the evil powers, are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist the person who says there is no such thing, and a magician with the same delight. So two equal but opposite errors. Now today we're going to see that Paul actually addresses both of these errors and he points to a much better alternative than either of them. So first we see that Paul puts spiritual spiritual realities forward as a matter for serious attention. Don't be ignorant of these powers, he says. Let's have another look at the first couple of verses, uh, 10 and 11. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. So that you can stand against the devil's schemes. Even though you can't see him, the devil is real. And he's not someone to be laughed at or trifled with. Not only is he real, but he is your enemy. It's important to understand he is real and he is your enemy. He hates you. He schemes against you. He hates you almost as much as God loves you. 
In fact, I would warrant that because God loves you, he hates you all the more. Remember uh, back in chapter 3, verse 10, uh, we saw that the church is like a red rag to the devil and to his army. Let me read that to you. In chapter 3, verse 10, we read that the church, uh, that uh, God's intent was that in Christ, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Through the church, God was revealing his great wisdom to both the good and the evil forces in the heavenly realms. And so, yes, here we are, here we sit, plain and ordinary people, and yet, to the devil, the church is like a red rag. We enrage him because we remind him of his great defeat at the cross, through which we, as the church, come into being. And so that means that the devil is hell-bent on taking us down, and he will use any weapon that he can get uh, to get the job done. And he has lots of weapons at his disposal. Uh, have a look again at uh, verse, uh, verse 12, the second half of the verse. Uh, our struggle is against the authorities and powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Two realms. And the devil has resources in both. In this dark world, the world we can see, and also in the heavenly realms, in the world that we can't see. And we need to understand that the devil can use the world and the things in it to try to turn us away from trusting in Jesus. Uh, Let me read again from Screwtape uh, as Lewis uh, gives an example of how this can happen, of how the devil can be at work in very ordinary things. Uh, if you're not familiar with screw tape letters, uh, it's they're letters written from the perspective of a senior devil to a junior devil, and he's instructing the junior devil on how to lead people astray. It's humorous in many ways, but serious as well. So here's some advice from the senior to the junior. Whatever you do, make sure you don't strengthen in your patient, that's what they call them, patients, the fatal habit of attending to universal issues and withdrawing his attention from the stream of immediate sense experiences. Your business is to fix his attention on the stream. Teach him to call it real life and don't let him ask what he means by real. Remember, he is not like you, a pure spirit. Never having been a human, oh, that abominable advantage of the enemies, he calls Jesus the enemy, Uh, You don't realise how enslaved they are to the pressure of the ordinary. He tells this little story. I once had a patient, a sound atheist, who used to read in the British Museum. One day as he sat reading, I saw a train of thought in his mind beginning to go the wrong way. The enemy, of course, was at his elbow in a moment. And before I knew where I was, I saw my 20 years of work beginning to totter. If I had lost my head and begun to attempt a defence by reasoned argument, I would have been undone. But I wasn't such a fool. I struck instantly at the part of the man which I had best under my control and and suggested that it was just about time he had some lunch. What, What more ordinary, everyday thing could there be than the urge to have lunch? 
The enemy presumably made the counter-suggestion, you know how one can never quite overhear what he says to them, uh, that this was more important than lunch. At least I think that must have been his line, for when I said, yes, quite, in fact much too important to tackle on an empty stomach, the patient brightened up considerably, and by the time that I had added, much better to come back after lunch and go into it with a fresh mind, he was already halfway out the door. And once he was in the street, the battle was won. I showed him a newsboy shouting the midday paper and a number 73 bus going past, and before he'd reached the bottom of the steps, I'd got him in an unalterable conviction that whatever odd ideas might come into a man's head when he was shut up alone with his books, a healthy dose of real life, by which he meant the bus and the newsboy, was enough to show him that all that sort of thing just couldn't be true. See, the devil can quite easily employ very ordinary things to his advantage and we need to be wise to his schemes. So not only is the devil real, but he is really out to get us. He has schemes and unless we respond to those schemes, we're in real trouble. So that's one thing we need to be aware of. That's one uh, error we need to avoid just sort of pretending or, or believing that the devil does not exist. But remember, there is, according to Lewis and according to Paul, as we're going to see, an equal but opposite error. See, once people become convinced of what we've seen so far, that the devil is real, then the problem can be that people start talking about spiritual battles and spiritual warfare as if the result of that battle and that warfare was somehow in doubt. Have you ever heard people talking like that? Oh, I'm under attack at the moment and I might not make it through, sort of seems to be the suggestion. See, what we need to understand is that there is an enemy and there is a battle, but the battle's already been won. The war has already been won. See, the goal of our battle is not actually to win. The goal of our battle is to stand. Did you see that? Did you see that? It's, it's there very clearly in the passage. First in verse 11, put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then again, down in verse 13, therefore put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, and I don't think that means one particular day, but days of evil, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. It's pretty clear, isn't it? Stand, 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 stand. That is our job. Now, why? Why only to stand? Well, this is where we need to remember something that we learned earlier in the letter. Back in chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, we read this. That God has raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power, dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. See, these powers in this dark world and in the heavenly realms, 
there is somebody over them, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. He has been appointed over them by God, being raised from the dead and ascended to his throne. See, the reason that we don't have to win this battle against the devil's schemes is because when Jesus rose from the dead, he won. He won the victory over the devil and all his schemes. Jesus defeated death and he now sits on his throne in heaven. That's true of Jesus, but here is the beautiful thing that we should also remember. In chapter 2, verse 6, we read that God has raised us up in Christ. Not he will raise us up in Christ, but he has raised us up in Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Where does Jesus sit? On his throne. Where do we sit? With him on his throne. This is what it means to be in Christ. You see, the victory is already won. And this is why all we have to do is stand, stand firm, to withstand and defend the ground that Jesus has already won. And to do that, God gives us exactly what we need to get the job done. He gives us a full set of armour, his armour, the armour of God. It's like Saul giving David his armour, the king gives us his armour, except it fits us well this time. It is armour so stout and so secure that it will enable us to stand no matter what comes. And notice that it is his, that, that it is armour that he gives us. He calls it armour rather than weapons. And that's because his armour will enable us to stand. So how do we put on this armour? Well, First, we need to make sure that we get dressed in the right order. Remember, this is actually the second time in the letter that we've been told to get dressed. Remember back in chapter 4, we were told to put off our old self and to put on the new self, which is being made to be like Christ. Put off and put on. That is the first step, to put our trust in Jesus, to reject the old self and the old way of life, and to put on Christ. But going back to chapter 4 is also a reminder of just which body we're putting the armour on. See, again, this is a letter about our identity, and it's a letter about our identity. Not just yours and yours and mine, but our identity together in Christ. In this letter, when Paul talks about the body, the body that has to get dressed, he's talking about the body of Christ. So yes, each one of us has an individual responsibility to put on this armour, but we also have a responsibility for each other. We also have a responsibility for the whole body to ensure that together we are putting on this armour that God has provided for us. So now we're ready. Now we're ready to put on the armour. And the best way to understand what each part of this armour means or represents is actually to look back again to the rest of the letter. See, none of these items of armour or what they represent, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, the word of God, the spirit of God, none of these things is being mentioned here for the first time. 
Every single one of these Paul has already talked about, at least three times, sometimes up to ten times. Paul here in this image is drawing together all the teaching that he's already laid out, you see. And he's putting it together in this very helpful vision for us of armour that we can put on in order to withstand the devil's schemes. So, for example, he talks about putting on the belt of truth. Okay. Now, back in chapter 1, verse 13, we read that the truth is the gospel, the word of truth. It says, you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. The truth that we're to put on isn't just truths in general, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 4.15, in chapter 4, verse 15, we read that we were to speak the truth in love to one another, weren't we? So putting on the belt of truth is something that we actually do when we speak the gospel to each other and remind one another of the Lordship of Jesus Christ and what it means to live for Him. Now, when we do that, then we will be defending against, well, against lies, won't we? Against anything that would compromise or contend against the gospel. We defend against the lies that would weaken our faith. That's what it means to put on the belt of truth. What about righteousness? The breastplate of righteousness. Uh, Back in chapter 4, verse 24, we read that the new self, which we're to put on, is righteous. The new self, chapter 4, verse 24, uh, it says, put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. This is incredible. Sinners like us, We put our trust in Jesus, and in doing so, we put on Christ, the righteous one. And when we do that, when we remember that that is the case and that that's what's happened, then we're defending against all sorts of things. Firstly, we're defending against temptation, aren't we? No, I have put on the new righteous self. That helps me to say no to temptation, to sin. But it also helps me to say no or to uh, fend off accusations. Accusations that God doesn't love you. Why would he? Ah, no, I am the new righteous self in Christ. Get away from me, Satan. Your lies have no effect here. So we put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. What about uh, the the footwear of peace? Uh, The footwear of peace. Back in chapter 2, verse 15, we read that by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, God's purpose was to cre- or Jesus' purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. See, Jesus in his death won us peace, didn't he? In winning the victory, he won peace. He won peace between us and God and between us and each other. And knowing that, remembering that God has won peace, helps us to defend against anything that would create disunity, doesn't it? We say, no, Satan, no, Jesus has won peace. That is why he went to the cross. I'm not going to let you bring anything between me and my brother or sister. And we fend and we defend against him like that. 
And you can go all the way through every part of this armour and you can do exactly the same thing. Look into the letter and see what it says about each of those items and you'll understand how putting those things on uh, helps us to defend against the devil's schemes and so to stand. And so there we are, girded in our armour, ready to stand against the devil there is one final practice. I'm not sure whether it's part of the armour exactly or not. It's hard to tell, for example. But Paul goes on from talking about the armour to talking about praying. Praying. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. When I picture it, what I picture is actually not a piece of armour, but like this spiritual force field around us. That means that nothing even gets close that he can't even get close to us. Because in the end, the reason that we pray is because this is God's work. It always has been. He's the one who's going to win the victory. He's the one who has already, in fact, won the victory. He's the one who's going to see that we stand in the end. And so he calls us to pray. Uh, We're to pray for all things, all kinds of prayers and requests. We're to pray for each other, keep on praying for the Lord's people. Remember, we have that mutual responsibility for each other. We're to pray for those who speak the word of God that they might do it fearlessly. We're to pray that the gospel would go out and advance and that Jesus would claim the victory that he has already won. And so I would encourage you to pray. And why don't you pray as you get dressed in the morning? As you get dressed in the morning, even if you don't wear all these items of clothing, imagine doing it. I wear a belt. I could put on my belt of truth. I don't wear a breastplate, but I... I, There's there's no breastplate there, just letting you know. Um, But I put on a shirt. I, I could, you know, mimic putting on my helmet of salvation, pick up my sword, grab my Bible, I can certainly do that, and I can pray as I do all these things, reminding myself of what is true, so that that day I would be well defended, so that I would stand, and after everything, I would stand. Let me encourage you to do the same. Because folks, life can be beautiful but it's also full of dangers. And many of those dangers we don't even see. So let's not underestimate them and be caught unawares. But at the same time, let's not underestimate the greater power of the Lord Jesus Christ and of every spiritual blessing that we have in him. So this is a letter about spiritual things, isn't it? That's how we began, that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. And here we end being reminded that though there are great spiritual forces against us, they are nothing compared with the power of Jesus Christ and what he has given us to fight the battle and to stand. When Jesus died in our place and rose from the grave, that's when the victory was won. And so now, fitted out in his armour, shoulder to shoulder, we are to stand. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, 
we can be blind and we can be ignorant. Please forgive us for this. Please forgive us for how easily we are absorbed in material things and really just forget. Forgive us for when we become complacent and think perhaps that somehow in our own strength and by our own merit we'll be right. Father, instead, help us to have a healthy attitude towards spiritual things, spiritual matters. Help us to understand that Satan is real, but also that he has no real power because we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, help us instead to be aware, to put on the armour that you have provided and to stand. And not just to stand on our own, but to stand together, ensuring that your plans are fulfilled and that after everything, we will stand. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.